Years ago, my daughter is about six years old. I don't know how many of you, my daughter Kelsey, she cruises around in an embarrassingly pink wheelchair. Um, we took her to an amusement park, and she's about six. I thought, oh, she's ready for a roller coaster. And she'd done some kiddie things, and she was our adventurous kid. So we got her in a roller coaster and sit her down. It starts going, and I realize with that nasty cerebral palsy, it's hard for her to sit up, and she's getting slapped around. So I put my arm around her and held her, but it was really too late. She was already screaming hysterically and crying and sobbing. And I felt like the worst parent in the world. And so my first response was to think, how do I blame my wife for this? Um, and so it goes to all these turns. She's getting thrown around, her head snapping, I'm holding her and just weeping and tears going out. And so as we finished the last turn and kind of came in, we're slowing down. She's crying and sobbing. And then slowly, slowly her breathing came back together before we came to stop. And she looked at me and said, Dad, can we do this again? And so there's those extremes from sheer terror and some pain to some enjoyment. We're going to be looking at a passage this morning that at first glance looks kind of nice. It's about these little sheep and we all want to hear about the sheep. But it has some real extremes in this passage. It talks about truth and the lies. It talks about safety and danger. The passage in John 10 talks about being secure and fulfilled and uh, abandoned. So you have all these extreme ultimately to the abundant life and a life pursuing destruction. All in this passage. Now, John 10 is right after, I know this won't shock you, but it's right after John 9. And a few, several weeks ago, we walked through John 9, where this is where the blind man goes from blindness to sight. So chapter 10 is just a continuation of that. That man who got his sight, chose to follow Jesus, and now Jesus is addressing that whole crowd there. So go ahead and look up in your Bibles. In the first six verses, I'm just going to explain to you because it's all about being a shepherd. Now, I'm assuming not too many of you are shepherds. And what's really fascinating about this passage, Jesus shared this first six verses with people who knew about shepherding, and they were confused. So let me just walk you through it. Basically, in a small village, there might be a number of shepherds in that village. So they'd have their own flocks. But at night, or maybe on an extremely hot day, they would put them all in one pen. So this is usually a stone pen, and it's got one gate. And so they, all the shepherds together would hire a hired hand to watch that gate and kind of monitor things. And um, the shepherds, when they called their sheep, the sheep, the different flocks, would know the shepherd's voice. And the shepherds used the gate, guarded by the hired hand. Anybody else who came in were thieves and robbers. And they would get in other ways other than this gate. And again, this is a figure of speech, and they didn't understand. So Jesus went right to the, uh, the next passage there, where Jesus is saying, here, I am the door. And he happens to repeat that a couple times here. He says, so Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. 
I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is clearly saying here, I am the door. He's actually saying, I am the only way. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. It's a bold statement. Before in John, he's talked about being the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the sustenance. He also talked about being the light of the world and living water. Now he's bringing it in and saying, I am the door. There isn't any other way. As a matter of fact, not only am I the door, all the other ways are wrong and all the other doors are dangerous. So we go from the shepherd that's got the right way to this danger of all the other ways. Now, this, this whole thought doesn't fly in our current culture. They would say, well, what does he mean by danger? All religions, all the same, all the paths lead the right direction. Ravi Zacharias has a saying, and he says, religions are superficially similar, but fundamentally different. And Jesus is saying that really clear right here. All the other ways are dangerous. There is truth. And Jesus is saying, I am the truth. And he's going to say that more clearly in John 14 when we get there. But also, the other ways are lies. Think about it. Is that true? Does that feel uncomfortable? Is that hard to communicate to others? Well, we have some examples. It was November of 1978. I heard the news that hundreds had followed Jim Jones into the jungles of Guyana and had committed suicide. They had drank the Kool-Aid, which is a phrase we use right now. This was an atrocity. Hundreds died. Many more hundreds, maybe thousands of family members ached over these, these people who were following a lie, a tragedy. There's danger in other ways. Not too far from here, pretty much exactly 30 years ago in March, of 1997, we had the Hale-Bopp Comet and those who followed that. And I don't know if you remember, but they all dressed the same. And they packed their little bags. And they all packed their bags the same. Because the point was, when the comet went by, they were going to be sucked up with it. And they were going to be able to take their bags with them. 39 people committed suicide. None of them took their bags with them. Their bodies were there. Their bags were there. They were following a lie. A dangerous lie. A lie that cost them their lives. And also damaged, again, many families. Other doors are dangerous. We have a Tuesday afternoon gathering where the pastors and others just talk about the, this. And we were talking about all the other dangerous uh, paths. We have one religion that has suicide bombers. That they, they feel like if they commit suicide, that is their clear path to God and to heaven. And there's many false prophets in Christianity and other religions. And you can kind of listen to them and they'll say, send in your money and then you'll get a blessing. 
I remember being in Cambodia, going through one of the, the temples there of another religion, and it was all about give your money here, then you will be blessed. These are false religions, and Jesus is saying right here, there is no other way. I am the door. There is danger, and Jesus is saying, I bring safety. Do we really see that when we see our neighbors that don't know Christ? Do we really think, wow, they're in great danger. They are following something. They might not know exactly what they're following. They might not have articulated it. But they are in great danger. May our, our hearts understand this passage, our minds understand this passage. May our hearts reach out to those that aren't following the way, the door. That there are thieves and robbers stepping into our neighbor's life to point them in a wrong direction. I'm going to do something we don't normally do here. I, we've been talking about sh- reaching out and meeting our neighbors. In the first quarter of this year, everybody's challenged to meet two neighbors who aren't believers. Just get to know them. The point is to move them from being neighbors to friends. And from friends to the family of God. So I want to take some time now, turn to the people next to you, and I want you to pray for the two people that you want to reach out to or you've already reached out to. Now, some of you are looking at me and say, Kevin, I I don't even believe this. I'm coming here to church to check it out. Well, good. Turn to the person next to you and say, pray for me as I pursue Is Jesus really the door? So I'm going to give you 60 seconds, and then I'm going to rudely interrupt you by praying but turn to somebody next to you and say, pray for me as I meet my two neighbors. Here's their names. And your market said, go. <laughs> Father in heaven, may I see my neighbors with your eyes. I'm surrounded in my neighborhood with really nice people, except for the neighbor's dog who kept me awake late last night because his dog was barking. God, may my love for my neighbors be greater than the distractions that bother me. May I see them, as your word says, may I see them on a dangerous path. God, use me, use us to reach out for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Thank you for praying with me. So other doors are dangerous. And Jesus also said, talked about the sheep knowing his voice. As followers of Christ, do we know God's voice? And I'm not talking about some wispy thing that might come around. God's words are his voice. Do we know God's word? People say, wow, that's just a lot of work. Yes, it is. We have an adult Bible study at 8.30. Participate in that. Study on your own. Don't look for Greg Harris to be your spiritual food every Sunday. Study on your own. Grow. It, It takes some work. We need to understand and then as sheep, respond to his voice. Respond to his words. Again, as we were talking on Tuesday afternoon, virtually everybody there could share an instance where somebody misused not God's word but they would say well I've been dating this person and we're getting to know each other and we really feel like God wants us to live together to try this out so God's kind of spoken to us so we're going to live together for a while 
That is not God's voice. And that happens because we often have immature followers of Christ that don't want to study and know God. He has revealed himself to us. Yes, come to church and grow. Get involved in a small group and grow. Read on your own, but know his voice. Don't take the lazy way and just say, well, you know, it's not a big deal. I I know that Jesus, Son of God, I accepted him, so now I'm kind of done. It's cool, and I'll show up at church. No, we need to know his voice. There are thieves and robbers coming into our lives with false ideas that can detract us from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Study and know his word. Next, because Jesus is the door, because other doors are dangerous, we need to share Christ because everyone everywhere needs Jesus. Now, I know something about every one of you here right now. You are not in the class on how to talk to an atheist right now. We have a class at 10 o'clock, and it's how do we share the gospel? How do we make these connections? Because when I challenge people, how do you, you know, you talk with your neighbor, and you move them from being a neighbor to a friend, but to a friend, uh, the family of God, Kevin, that's really difficult. Yes, it is. But God's word challenges to do that, and Olive Branch is offering ways to help you to do that. Please, today's the first day. There's nine more weeks. You can still participate. Get out your little orange card, put your name on it, and say, Kevin, I want to be part of this class, and I will send you an email. But do what it takes to learn how do I share God's word. Do I walk in and slap them over the head with the Bible? How do I connect? In this class, you'll learn that everybody has something they want to talk about. How do we find that? How do they make decisions? How do they view right versus wrong? How do we use that to point them to Jesus as the door? Press on and and knowing him so he can share. Finally, one of the coolest things he says in this passage is that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. That's exciting. We got this door where Jesus says, I am the way. Follow me. I'm going to give you some rules and guidelines. Here's how you live. And this is how humans, humanity, created in the image of God. Here's how you flourish. By following his voice, his words, and living this out. Don't believe in the other voices that are coming in. Now you say, Kevin, my life is really tough. I'm not living the abundant life. You know, he's not promising health and security and great riches. And there are a bunch of Christian books and preachers who do promise that. I don't believe that's what it's talking about. It's talking about knowing who our Savior is and knowing what he has for us in the future. You know, there's probably some Chinese pastors who are sitting in prison Because they understand that they need to go and share Christ everywhere. And some of them know what the abundant life is far better than we in middle class America. Because they are serving God, they are risking, and they are setting aside their own desires to love, live, and share Christ where they are. That abundant life, following Him. And when we follow Him, it leads us into a 
relationship with him. And we'll be talking about that in just a minute. But summarizing this first section, the first 10 verses, Jesus says, I am the door. In case you didn't get it, I am the door. I'm the only way. The other ways are wrong. He says it very strongly. And you might be uncomfortable with that. And Jesus, in his prayer in the garden, said, God, is there any other way? In Matthew 26, 39, he says, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will. He is the way. He is the door. Jesus is also, in the next eight, uh, eight or so verses, you'll read that he is the good shepherd. And while I'll uh, read those verses, we'll have that. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. It's kind of interesting in scripture, like the first part he says, I am the roar, he said it twice. Here he's repeating this as he did in verse 11. I am the good shepherd, I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it up from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He is making some great claims about his own divinity. Research this passage. Out there on the the counter, there's Beyond the Message, where it's got a sheet where every day you can go a little bit deeper in this passage. Phenomenal stuff here. You can actually get Beyond the Message by email if you'd like, but study and know this. Here's a few of the actions of a good shepherd. He loves. Listen to that passage. He knows his sheep. He reaches out to his sheep. He is loving, and one of the definitions, probably the best definition of love, is self-giving. He is a self-giving God, and Christ is giving of his life in pursuing this relationship with us. The next one, what does a good shepherd do? He leads us. He leads us towards the abundant life. He leads us away from those thieves and robbers. If we're talking about those extremes, he leads us from being strangers with him to deep intimacy. He draws us to himself. The good shepherd also lays down his life. And here is a summary of all of Christianity. That God dwelling in perfection in the Trinity sent Jesus down here to become a man. I don't think we can grasp what it is to be God and take on the form of a man. First as a baby and then growing up into um, and among a people who are in this great cosmic rebellion against God. But here is Jesus living among them, living sinlessly, 
betrayed by his closest friends, and he lays down his life for us so that we might be saved. And he rose again and resides with the Father and we can have a relationship with him. And when we choose to follow God through Jesus Christ, when we give our heart and life, or life, everything to him, we are forgiven. Did you hear that? All the crud we've done, all the selfishness, all the rebellion against God's goodness, we are forgiven. It gets better. God, if we are forgiven, how does God see us? Philippians 2.15, excuse me, yeah, Philippians 2.15, Ephesians 1.22, write those verses down. God looks down on me and doesn't see my sin. He sees me as blameless spotless how does God see you you have chosen to follow Jesus how does he see you blameless do you feel blameless isn't that hard to imagine this perfect God looks down and sees us as blameless well I asked you do you feel that way I really don't care how you feel Set your feelings aside. Look at God's word. His voice says you are blameless. I I will never get over that and I hope you never do either. And we so with his actions as a shepherd, he loves, he leads, he lays down his life. I like that uh, alliteration. So the fourth L is he knows his own. Okay, messed up on the alliteration. It's all right. What a passage. You know, first we talked about Jesus as the door in this right way, and he's the only way. And here is God's word telling us how to live and to follow him. It's, it's pretty cerebral. And there is a cerebral side. Know God's word. But as we move from the door to the shepherd, wow, he loves me. He knows me. I am a deeply flawed individual. God loves me unconditionally. He sees me as spotless. You know what? When I, when I do a funeral, almost every time they say, Kevin, can we read Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In our deep hurting, we like to be reminded that God is our shepherd. As followers of, our, of, of Jesus Christ, he knows us. We are to know him and know his words. He knows us. He listens. He cares about us. You know, often through life, we feel abandoned. We feel ostracized from others. We'll be with a group or sometimes even in church and feel lonely. You don't have to. We are deeply loved and pursued by a shepherd that cares where we go and what we do. May that never get tiring. He's moved us from strangers to deep, deep intimacy with him. And all relationships have rules. That's why we have Jesus' door and there's guidelines. And he says, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and live in such a way. Don't lie, don't cheat, follow these guidelines so that we can have that deep relationship. And we have Valentine's coming up and you men, 
You realize that if you follow the rules, you're supposed to get your wife flowers on Valentine's. You grab the flowers and you say, hey, honey, here's your stinking flowers. You slam them down, you walk away. That is following the rules. That is not helping the relationship. Right? I, I've never tried it, so I, I don't ex, uh, expect you to try that. In the same way, following God's rules and walking through this. Okay, God, I'm sitting in church, so that should make you a little happier. No. He wants that relationship with us. And the wolves in this passage are about the sin that can creep in. Don't let that happen to your life. And as we seek to know his voice, yesterday, the men's breakfast, they talked about being men of the word. It's hard work. Know God's word. And if you weren't there yesterday, out on the back, there's a little reading schedule. It talks about read this, share this with somebody else. And you know what? You don't have to be a man. You can take the reading schedule if you want. Study and know God's word so that we can have that relationship with him. Now, when I share about this relationship, people look at me and say, Kevin, this is weird. How can I have a relationship with somebody I can't see? I said, well, I have a relationship with my wife and I don't see her all the time. I love her when she's not right with me. I don't have to see her. My father passed away almost 30 years ago. I don't see him all the time. I don't see him at all until uh, the end, but I have those memories and I love my father. We have all these ideas of what it means to love. We're, we're talking in John 10 about the blind man. He likely loved his parents when he was blind in a passage. Later he sees his parents that visual didn't change his love for them. I, I realize it is different uh, having a relationship with God. It's different than a human relationship. So people say, how can I love someone I can't see? Let me turn that on its head. How can you love someone you can see? The people you love, the people who are closest to you, are flawed. They're selfish. They're irresponsible at times, and they're going to let you down. <laughs> and that's the people we love. <laughs> I think it's much easier to love a God that we can completely trust, who is always there, who loves us unconditionally, and will never let us down. Amen? Amen. We sat here... No, we stood here and sang, how great thou art. What a great God. We don't see him. We can see the beauty in his creation. We can see the beauty in transformed lives. We can see the beauty in his words to us. He alone is worthy. Therefore, though we don't see him, we are no longer abandoned. But we are deeply loved by a great shepherd who will never leave us. Don't forget this. What a great passage we have here. Now there's one part of the passage. Jesus said, wait a second. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Well, he's really talking to the Jews. He said, Jews, there, there are other people. There are Gentiles. And you all have gotten kind of focused on yourself. Yourself. 
There are other, another flock. You know what? Most of us are Gentiles. Most of us aren't Jews. We are part of that. Aren't we glad that Jesus challenged his followers to go beyond the Jews to the others so that we could participate in this great salvation that he offers us? Well, wait a second. The Jews are focusing on themselves, but that would never happen to us as Christians, right? I was reading an article this morning. It says, man, if you as a church want to reach out to others, stop focusing on yourself. Ouch. Wait, we gather together. We praise God. So we we care about each other. But the point is, we have unsaved neighbors that are people created in God's image who are not worshiping God. They're aimless sheep wandering around. They are in grave danger. If we believe this, that he loves, leads, lays down his life, and knows us, we are to help people that are moving towards destruction and point them towards the abundant life in Jesus Christ. Again, may our hearts and actions reflect God's word. Brent talked a little bit about refugees, and people say, well, I I don't know a Syrian refugee. I've never hugged a Syrian refugee. How can I really love and care? And now you want me to sacrificially give. This situation is so atrocious. I don't know, hundreds of thousands, I think millions, I didn't look up the number, of refugees booted from their homes, crammed in these camps in Syria. And I didn't verify this number. I read it in a couple places, but it said, of the Muslims, and most of them are Muslims, 70% are turning their backs on Islam. 70%, what an opportunity. It doesn't mean they're going to Christ, but they're realizing they've been following a false and dangerous religion. One thing we can do, and they talked about for $6,000, we can take a Syrian pastor who uh, works for a living and then uses his free time to go in and share the gospel For $6,000, we can support him so he can be a full-time pastor reaching these needs. And I've I've heard from several very reliable sources that many are coming to Jesus Christ. Now, I I, got to confess, I was a little slow on this refugee situation. How do we as a church get involved? Because I do not like this pay, pray, and get out of the way. You know, let's pray for the refugees, let's give, and let's just wait and see what God does. But we we can't sit idly by. Those refugees that we can't see are part of that flock that is not of that group. They're part of the sheep that is not of the flock that Jesus is talking about. So we can pay, and I hope you give. There's buckets in the back. I hope you pray. We're not going to get out of the way. I just don't know what the next step looks like for us. But we can't sit idly by if we really believe that Jesus is the only way. We also have a team going to Indonesia. They're in Indonesia, learning the language, hoping to reach others of the majority religion there, making a sacrifice, leaving family and friends to go out there because they want to take this truth to people that need to hear it. And we're also, I don't know how many of you know, we have a team that we're training up. And in 2019, we want to launch them into another area that doesn't have the gospel. As great as the needs are around here, 
They are astronomically greater in parts of the world, and we want to plant churches that reach out, like Carrie and Char were talking about, that plant other churches, because that's what the gospel is all about. It's unsettling. It's sacrificial for our church as part of its budget to be supporting missionaries. But if we have Jesus' heart for the lost, we need to participate as well. So Jesus as the door, Jesus as the shepherd, and finally, keep Jesus the main thing. Let me read the final verses for you. There was again a division among the Jews. These are the Jews that were there during John 9 and the healing of the blind man. And the division because of these words that Jesus said, these clear words, I am the only way, I will lay my down my life, and I will take it back again. Many of them said he has a demon and he's insane. Why listen to him? Others said these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Their answer is no. What, what is going on here? Who is this man? Is he insane and crazy? Is he demon-possessed? But he opened the eyes of the blind. There's something about this man. They did what I want to encourage you all to do. Keep Jesus as the main thing. In this class we have, uh, how to have a spiritual conversation, how to, how to love uh, an atheist or agnostic around you. We, we learn how do we approach, how do we connect with these people but when, we, when I send people out, and I'm guilty of myself, I want to talk about politics. I want to talk about morality. I want to talk about origins of the universe. And I have to pull the class back and say, no, keep Jesus as the main thing. There are lots of other things to talk about, but let's get back to the historical figure of Jesus, who he was. Don't get distracted as we point our neighbors to that good good shepherd who cares about him in summary jesus says the door kind of the cerebral side it takes some work we need to study god's word we need to know god and then there is jesus as the shepherd who cares for us and reaches down and puts his arm around us now there's a danger here we've been talking all about these extremes here you can have an extreme of somebody who studies god's word and is completely arrogant. I know God's word, you're wrong, and you have to believe this, and you have to do this, and, and then they just have this head knowledge that only brews uh, this arrogance where they are right and everybody else is wrong. That is not what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And then I, have other, I know other people that say, hey man, Jesus, my shepherd, you know what, he, he's really my homie. We just kind of hang out, we chill, all this work, that's, that's too much. No, we have a relationship with God that takes work. He is reaching down to us. He has spoken. We need to pursue him and we need to know him because this is a matter of life and death. And as we know him and as we fall in love with him and as we live for him, we will share him wherever we go. You're going to hear that a lot around here. Love Christ, live for Christ, and share Christ wherever you go. If you don't know him, if you're here this morning to check things out, don't stop. Thank you for coming. Some of what I said should have really bothered you because Jesus said some strong things. In another month, there's a movie coming out called The Case for Christ 
about an atheist man who did some good research. He came to a conclusion that I appreciate. That's why I'm promoting the film. But I would encourage you, don't stop. Pursue this. Pursue who Jesus Christ is. And if you know him, pursue getting to know him deeper by studying and pursue that relationship. Many of us fall on one side or the other. Know that you aren't abandoned. Know in all the tossing and turning of your life that you are deeply loved and pursued. Wherever you stand, I hope you live, love, and share Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, this passage that we like to go to, and it talks about the sheep, and, and we're, we're the sheep, and the passage isn't about us. It's about you. As the door, the only door, the only way. God, may we spend our lives pursuing you and what you mean by that and how to love you and live for you and share you. And God, as we pursue uh, knowing you, may we be reminded that uh, you are our shepherd. God, that you will never leave us or forsake us. And with that, we can sing songs. We can praise you because you have done abundantly more than we deserve. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. <laughs>